Ma'am, be very careful on those steps coming up. Please have a seat. Pull that microphone down to you, if you would. And okay, very good. If first of all, would you introduce yourself to the jury and spell your first name and last name for the court reporter, please? Uh, my name is Amy Scott. A M Y S C O T T. Thank you. Please proceed. And good morning, ma'am. Uh, what address do you live at? 648 Butterfly Creek Drive in Ocoee. Butterfly Creek Drive. Mm -hmm. And uh, how long have you been living there? Uh, 18 years. And you were living there back on September 10th of 2012. Yes. Um, do you know an address 503 Bernardino Drive? Yes, I do. And where is that in relation to your house? Directly behind me. Okay. And, and is there a so their backyard would adjoin your backyard? Would that yes. be right? And is there any kind of fence or anything between the backyards? Yes, there's there a is? fence, a six-foot-high um, wooden fence. All right. Let me take you back to that day of September 10th, 2012, at around 5 o'clock in the morning. Do you remember what you were doing that at that time? Yes, I was getting ready for work. I was in my kitchen. And wh where did you work? <coughs> at the time, I worked at... Uh, Preschool in Apopka. All right. Um, and was anyone else in your house with you at that time? My son and my husband were asleep. They were asleep? Mm -hmm. All right. And you were getting ready for work? Yes. Did something unusual happen after 5 o'clock in the morning? Yes, I was in my kitchen getting ready. The light was on. I heard a little loot loot to the back um, garbage can and then turned and somebody was ringing the doorbell with blood dripping down out of their head and screaming, we've been shot. You say somebody. Was it a man, a woman? A woman. Woman? Young woman. She, she had blood streaming down her head? Yes. Uh, at the, is that when you open the door or do you just see through the glass? I have or? a little glass by my door, and that's what I could see through the little glass window beside the door. At that point when you did that, could you only see that woman or did you see anybody else at that point? Um, I could only see that woman at that time. Um, what did you do when she's standing at your door screaming about that? I screamed. My son and husband woke up out of a dead sleep, and I grabbed the phone and uh, went to turn off the alarm and uh, went to, well, open the door. My husband opened the door. Because, uh, now let me ask you, um, this young woman that you saw, did you, at that time, did you know who she was? I really didn't know what her name was or anything, no. Did she look familiar but to she you? She looked or? familiar from the back because of their dog used to jump into our neighbor, in our yard, and she would come around to get the dog. Okay. You just didn't know her name or anything? No. So, so then what happened when your husband, I guess, opened the door? Oh, uh, yeah, we saw there was a, a man on the ground and naked and bleeding from the back of his head. And by that time, I was trying to call 911. And they were <laughs> transferring me or something. I was like, don't transfer me, don't transfer me. Okay. And You did call 911. Yes, I did. Um, let me show you what you Uh, you've seen this before? Yes, I have. 
listened to this? Yes, I have. Um, this is a recording of your 911 call. Yes, it is. This time I would like to enter into evidence states exhibit A and uh, play it for the jury. Any objection? All right. It'll be marked as uh, state's first exhibit. What is that number? One. We need to have it so we can mark it and is going to be played. Is that correct? Folks, this will be played for you and this will be back in the jury room with you since it has been marked as an exhibit into evidence. The time, oh, five, twenty, four. 648 Butterfly Creek Drive in Ocoee. Are you off of White Road? Yes. Okay, and what's the phone number you're calling from? 407-877-7290. Okay, tell me exactly what happened. Um, I'm here in my home and somebody just came to my front door said they've been shot. And they need an ambulance. They're bleeding under my front porch. Okay, PD, are you responding? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, PD is en route. I don't know. I think we need police, too, because... Yes, ma'am. This is the police department. We have the police on the way. Okay. And the ambulance? Yes. The ambulance is coming, too. Hold on one second, ma'am. All right. Uh, that call is identified as being 524 a.m. Do you believe that's the correct time? Yes, it is. You mentioned that the young woman, you uh, you didn't know her name at the time, is that right? That's correct. Have you since come to, to know who that is? Yes, it is. Who is that? Um, Brianna Campos. And, and uh, you said there was a naked young man with her? Her brother, Remington. All right. Thank you. I don't have any other questions. Thank you, sir. Cross-examination. Good morning. Um, when Miss, what brought your attention to Miss Campos first? Were you up? Always? I was awake. Yes, I was in the kitchen getting ready for work. And did you hear any noises prior to her coming knocking at your door? I heard the garbage can, which is right by. I was in the kitchen, and the windows right there, and the garbage cans right on the other side. And I heard it go doo doo. But you didn't hear anything else. No. Nothing further. Any redirect? And just to be clear, you didn't hear any gunshots? No, I did not. No Ma'am, thank you so much. Please be very careful stepping down there. Call your next witness. Your Honor, the state calls Officer Daniel Schilling. Daniel Schilling, please. 
Good morning, sir. Thank you for joining us. Move that microphone up a little bit, if you would, please. And you want to be about two to three inches from the microphone, if you would. Would you introduce yourself to the jury and spell your first name and last name for the court reporter, please? Officer Daniel Schilling with the Akoya Police Department. That's D-A-N-I-E-L. Schilling's S-C-H-I-L-L-I-N-G. Thank you. Please proceed. Thank you, Your Honor. Mr. Schilling, where are you currently employed? With the Okoye Police Department. And how long have you been employed with the Okoye Police Department? Since June 1st of 2009. What are your current duties with the Okoye Police Department? Uh, currently, I'm in the K-9 unit. Prior to joining the K-9 unit, what were what was your assignment or your duties? I was a, uh, patrol, a road patrol officer. I think we know, but can you tell us what a patrol officer does or what you were doing when you were assigned to patrol? Uh, usually assigned to a district or a zone in the city and I handle calls for service anything from you know robberies to noise complaints pretty much everything when someone calls 911 I go to that Mr. Schilling were you employed and on duty with the Okoye Police Department back on Monday September 10th of 2012 I was what was your shift that morning I think we were on a uh, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. schedule uh, at the time so you were still on shift around 5 a.m. is that right correct but your shift was about to end. Correct. Did you receive a call referencing a gunshot victim that morning at approximately 5.24 a.m.? I did. And uh, did you respond to 648 Butterfly Creek in reference to that call? <coughs> I did. Where were you located physically uh, when you received the call to go to that address? I was at the intersection of uh, Blueford and Old Winter Garden Road, uh, pretty much parked right across the street from the uh, Coe Police Department. Do you know approximately how long it took you to get from that location where you were when the call came in to 648 Butterfly Creek Drive? Uh, I was responding to that call, lights and sirens, so uh, I would you know, venture to estimate less than two minutes, 90 seconds, somewhere in there. You said you were responding lights and sirens. What does that mean? Um, when it's a, well, as we refer to as a hot call or something that requires an emergency response, well, we activate our overhead lights and our siren on our vehicle and usually try to get there as quickly as possible, but safely. And you did that on this morning to this call, is that right? I did. Were you driving a marked patrol car? I was. What were you wearing that morning as you were on patrol? I was wearing my uh, police uniform. Now, I used and you have responded about 648 Butterfly Creek Drive. Where within the city of Ocoee is that located roughly? Um, it's um, off of Orlando Avenue. It's kind of a little bit in the middle of our city. Does Orlando Avenue change from, change names from one name to another? Yeah. Yes, between Blueford Avenue and Clark Road that run north and south. Uh, Orlando Avenue changes about halfway and turns into White Road. So Orlando is both Orlando and White. Correct. Gonna may I approach to witness what's been marked on State's Exhibit B and showing time. You may. Officer Schilling, I'm showing what's been marked on State's Exhibit B. It's a composite of two maps. Please look at both of them and tell me when you've had an opportunity to do so. I have. Do you recognize the two maps in State's Exhibit B? I do. And what do they depict? They depict the uh, area or where the incident occurred. Now those maps bear an accurate depictions of that area that you responded to in the morning of September 10th? Yes. When a 
this kind of state seems to omit states exhibit B at page two. Any objection? All right, they'll be admitted as the next numbered exhibit. It's composite of two pages. Thank you. you want permission to publish states too? Yes, sir, you may. Officer Schilling, I'm going to put the maps up on the screen. Questions. Officer Schilling, you referenced Orlando Avenue. Can you show us on the map where that is? Okay. Now, from and I'll clear that off. From what direction did you approach Butterfly Creek Drive that morning? Um, I came from the uh, west, so I was traveling east on Orlando Avenue. So from left to right on the map, is that right? Correct. Okay. And how, do you, how did you get to Butterfly Creek Drive that morning, if you could show us on the map? All right. And what road is that, sir? Har Sleepy Harbor Drive. Okay, and then you turn left on Jackson. Left on Jackson, which turns into Butterfly Creek. And you said it was 648, correct? 648 Butterfly Creek, which is how you actually went to Yes. I'm going to use now B1. And I'll clear off your previous marks. Now, can you see 648 Butterfly Creek Drive? Uh, yes, I'm uh, pretty positive it's a second house. Uh, okay, go ahead and mark that from Chicago. Mind. All right. Now, off of the end of Sleepy Harbor Drive, there appears to be a vacant space or some type of open field. Do you know what that is? I'm sorry. Which where are you talking about again? The south end of Sleepy Harbor Drive. Okay. You you talking about, can I mark it? Yes, sir, go ahead. Are you talking about this? Yes, sir. Okay, yeah. What's the, do you know what's in that location? Um, I think that's where the basketball courts are now. Okay, small park? Yeah, the, in the bigger portion of the park's off to the, uh, well, if you're looking at the map, off to your left. Okay. So you took a left on Jackson and went to Butterfly Creek Drive. Yes. Um, did you come to find out that the actual crime had occurred at 503 Bernardino uh, Drive? Yes, I did. Now, did you ever personally respond to 503 Bernardino Drive? No, I did not. 503 Bernardino Drive, is that in Orange County, Florida? Okay. So backing up for a moment, you arrive at 648 Butterfly Creek Drive. Were you the first person there? I the was. first law enforcement officer there? Yes. And you had your lights and sirens on, correct? Um, correct. What happened when you got out of the vehicle? Um, I walked up to the front door. I saw some people walking around at the front door, and uh, I approached. And I, the first thing I noticed right off the bat was there was a male sitting down uh, outside the front door, but in the entryway. And uh, he was either, he looked like he was naked, um, and he was covered in blood. Okay. Did you eventually speak to him? I did. All right. Did you, you said you saw some other people. Did you see anybody else with injuries? I didn't. There was a female there as well 
who was walking around on the phone. I think she was on. I think she was still on the phone with uh, the 911 dispatcher. Uh, I'm not 100% sure who she was on the phone with, but um, she was kind of walking around, and uh, I didn't realize she was injured in the beginning. Uh, but I eventually asked her uh, a little bit later, and then she told me she was. Did you well. ever see any blood on her person? I did. When I finally, it was it was still dark, so I finally shot my flashlight at her because uh, she had mentioned that she'd been shot in the head, and I could tell that her hair was soaked in blood. Now, earlier I asked you if you were the first person there, and you said you were. Did other units eventually arrive to assist you? Um, at least one other officer uh, arrived with me on Butterfly Creek, and then uh, once we figured out that the actual incident happened on Bernardino, the rest of the officers uh, went to that residence. But you stayed at 648 Butterfly yes. Creek? Yes, I stayed at that residence uh, with the two victims. And show the counsel. You may. Officer Schilling, I'm showing you what's in Marvin's state exhibit T. It's a disc. Take a look at it and tell me if you recognize any markings on it. I do. My initials are uh, up here at the top right. Do you recall watching that disc? I did. And what was depicted on it? Uh, it's uh, looks like it's a uh, surveillance video from a house. Uh, and you can see me driving to the scene. Okay. So... This video had a timestamp, is that right? Correct. And you said you saw your or the first patrol vehicle on scene arrive in the video, is that correct? Correct. Did the timestamp on the video match the time that your vehicle arrived at the scene? It did. One moment, Your Honor. Yes. No further questions. Thank you. Cross-examination. Officer showing. So, you you had no involvement in any other investigative uh, issues in this case at all. I did not. Okay. So, the only thing you did in this case was just arrive at Butterfly Butterfly Creek and wait until assistance came to your uh, location. Yes, I waited for the. Uh, I mostly waited for the medical personnel and detectives to arrive. Yeah. Okay. Did you ever determine who? Um, Ms. Campbell was talking to on the phone? Um, no, I did not. And are you pretty sure she was talking to one on the phone? Yes, I recall she was on, I think she was still on, like I said, I think she was still on the phone with the 911 dispatcher, but I'm not 100% who she was on the phone with. Thank you. Any redirect? No, Your Honor. Sir, thank you very much. You may step down. Please be careful and step behind you. Thank you. Call your next witness. Next witness is Brianna Campos. Okay. Brianna Campos.
Good morning. Please bring that down to you. And your voice is a bit soft, so stay very close to it if you would. Would you introduce yourself to the jury and spell your first name and your last name for the court reporter, please? Brianna Campos, B-R-I-E-N-N-A-C-A-M-P-O-S. Thank you. Please proceed. How old are you today? I'm 23. How old were you back in, uh, what, what's your birthday? February 4th, 1992. So back in, uh, in May and September of uh, 2012, you were 20 years old, is that yes. right? Yes. Okay. Where were you living at, on those occasions in May and September of 2012? At 503 Bernardino Drive, Ocoee, Florida. Who, whose house is that? My parents. Let me take you back to, to May 9th of 2012. Uh, were your parents living at that address at that time? No, they were not. And where were they? They lived on the coast. They, they were not in the same town as... Uh, Correct. Okay. So who was, who was living at the house at 503 Bernardino Drive back on May 9th of 2012? Myself and two brothers and a roommate. What are you, who were your brothers? Remington Campos and Brandon Campos. And uh, if you know, what are the, how, how, how old were they, or how much older or younger than you are they? Remington's three years older, so he would have been 23 at the time. And Brandon, the youngest, is a year less than me, so he would have been 19. And you say there was a roommate there as well? Yes, Alex Aldivar. And how long had Alex been living with you? In May, maybe six, Alex. maybe six months. Um, what, uh, what kind of house is it uh, at, at 503 Bernardino Drive? In other words, how many bedrooms? It's a four-bedroom, two-bath. All right. And there were four people living there. Did everybody have their own bedroom? Yes. You may approach. That's not necessary. This looks like a blueprint of the house, the floor plan. Seen this before. Yes. Is this an accurate representation? Yes, it is. Yes. Any objection? It'll be admitted as the next numbered exhibit. Thank you. And I would like to publish this to the jury. Yes, sir. Is that visible on your computer? Yes. Um, do you see on this uh, on this drawing uh, where your bedroom was? Yes, I do. And I think you can just draw on it. Okay. And, and that's where your bedroom was on May 9th? 
Yes. And by the way, was that where your bedroom was also on, on September, September 10th? Yes, okay. it was. Um, and tell us where the other people slept. My younger brother would have been in this room right across from well, me. This is a bathroom, was he? Okay, he so yes, it would be right here then. Okay, and we can, we can actually erase. Uh, I don't know how to do it. All right, let's, so, so this is your bedroom. Mm -hmm. This, is, this is your brother's, right? Okay. Right here would have been Remington with Alex right here. Okay. Is that where everybody's uh, bedrooms were on May 9th and on September 10th as well? Yes. Let me uh, first talk about what happened on May 9th of 2012. Um, what, were your, what were you doing, say, in the middle in the afternoon on that day? I was in the living room with my brother and one of his friends watching Netflix on the television. And if you could show us where the living room is. Right here. Okay. So what, uh, you were there with your brother, you said? Yes, my younger brother, Brandon. Brandon. Anybody else there? William was there, who they both carpooled to school. Alex was also home, but sleeping in a room, and Remington was currently at work. All right, and you mentioned William, who's that? One of my younger brother's friends, uh, they went to school together. You know his last name? Yes, Harrington. Um, so was you, Brandon, Will, um, watching TV in the living room, you said? Yes. Um, you remember what you were watching? Netflix, I don't know what show. All right, and, and Alex was asleep in his bedroom. Yes. Did something happen unusual that afternoon? Yes, we got a random knock at the front door. you remember about what time this was? Because William and Brandon were home from school, it had to have been between 12.30 and 1 p.m. All right, and you, you're just watching this movie on Netflix and there's a knock on the door? Yes. What happened? I look at my brother who's sitting in a chair in the living room across from me and asked him, are you expecting anyone? He shook his head no, and I said, me either, so I sent him to go up to the door and see who was there. We have no peephole, it's just a side panel glass to look through, and as he peered through, he didn't really have a clear look, and so he opened up the front door, and that's when I heard two gentlemen there tell him to step back into the house. You say two gentlemen. Uh, could you describe them a little more? It was two black males standing at the door in what looked like just t-shirts and basketball shorts. Okay, and so, so they're, they're the ones at the, at the door. Yes. And what happens then? They pull out two pistols in my brother's face and tell us to get back in the house and get the fuck on the ground. Okay, um, so what happens then? We proceeded to step back into the living room in front of the fireplace where William was sitting on a love seat. And he was still sitting there in shock. And so they had to repeatedly tell him, get down on the ground. And so now all three of us are face down on the wood floor. And they just tell us, don't look, don't look. Where's the money? And they start rummaging through the house to find stuff. Did they ask you anything? They just asked. Anything? They asked who else was in the house. And we didn't say anything. We said no one. Uh, so they start looking through the house you say yes one start. of them did I guess yes one stayed with us in the living room while another went through the house checking rooms for 
anything of value and while they happened to be on the back side of the house where Alex's room is, he yelled out to the living room, oh, there's another jit sleeping back here. And they pulled out Alex in his boxers and then laid him down on the floor with us three. Okay, so all four of you are now on the floor. Yes. And did they tell you what they were looking for or what they They kept asking for drugs and money and saying, asking, this is the grow house, this is the grow house. And I said, no. They looked through the windows in the backyard and it, there's just a pool in the yard. They checked the whole house. They found small amount of cash that was there between all four of us. And when they were disappointed with their find, they then grabbed backpacks and duffel bags and filled it with laptops, cell phones in our pockets, and various other electronics. Okay. Now, you said you were face down on the floor. Did you, did you get a look at these two guys? Yes, I did. Well, between all four of us, we tended to look up and view them before they'd yell at us. And at one point, it was uh, Bestman Okafer actually picked me up off the ground and dragged me to my room because he thought there was hidden drugs in there and dragged me to the room and found nothing, and then he placed me back in the living room with the other three. Now, you say Bestman Okafer. Had you ever seen him before? No, I did not. When this is happening, you don't have any idea I, his I name? I did not know his name, no. Okay. And did you notice anything about him when you saw him? Yes. He had a scar on his chest that it almost looked possibly like a burn, like it was kind of bumped up a little bit. He was wearing a black V-neck. So right in the V-neck where it comes down, there was like almost looked like a boil or a scar or some, and he also styled in his eyebrows, like three slash marks in his eyebrows. Okay. So he's looking for drugs, money, something. Yes. Okay. And you say they, they loaded up uh, cell phones and laptops and that kind of thing. Xboxes and yeah. Okay. And uh, then what happened? Then they continued to tell us to stay on the ground, we're not here to hurt you, blah, blah, blah. After they placed everything in duffel bags and made sure there was nobody else in the house after finding Alex, they asked whose vehicle was parked in the driveway, which was Williams, who drove Brandon from school. They lied and said it was the older brother at work, so he had the keys. Didn't take the vehicle, but then they checked all our pockets, found house keys from Brandon coming home from school, and as they left the house and grabbed the duffel bags to walk down the road to wherever their car was, whatever, they used Brandon's house keys to stick it in the house front door lock and make sure it would unlock and lock, like they were going to come back. When you were lying face down on the ground, were you, did they tie you up or anything? Yes. They took Xbox controllers that they left behind, and they, would, they tied up our hands and feet. And they use like Halloween costume handcuffs that have a button to release. I believe they put those on William, so he was able to get himself free and untie the rest. All right. So they, after tying you up and taking the stuff, they, mm -hmm. did they leave? Yes, they left. Did you ever see, or could you ever see, how they, you know, any vehicle that that they came with? When they exited the house, no. But before the knock, there was a suspicious car that was driving up and down the street, but. We didn't think anything of it. And, and did you get a look at that suspicious car? After the whole incident, yes, we did identify the vehicle. I mean, as, as it was driving up and down the street, yes, did you get a look at it? Yes, we did. We have a large TV screen on the mantle of our fireplace with windows directly behind it. So with the blinds open, it causes a glare, a reflection on the black screen. And we kept seeing what looked like a purple or blue Monte Carlo driving up and down, like maybe it was pizza delivery lost. 
there was no topper. And after about the fourth or fifth time, I believe it was Alex, or not Alex, William commented on it, like that vehicle's lost. Maybe 10 minutes later, that's when we got the random knock on our front door. Okay. Um, so the, the robbers take the stuff, they leave the house, then what happens? After we get our cell phone tied, we have no cell phones in our pockets, and we don't have a house phone for there. So with no way to contact the police, we had to walk out the front door, which the two individuals left open when they exited. We had to walk out the front door and go to our neighbor on the left and have her call 911 for us. And uh, after 911 was called, did the police come? Yes, they did. Now, you, you had never seen these guys before, right? No, I have not. Um, was anybody able to help the police find these guys? Oh, William offered help knowing that the individual stole his iPhone, which he happened to have a Find My iPhone app on. And when he brought it up, a police officer for a co-APD said he also had an iPhone. William downloaded the app and tracked his own phone that was stolen. And it showed a red pin where his phone was at that time. Okay. Um, what happened after that? After that, we remained out front of our house while police left to go see that location and find out how accurate the radius of that pin was. Did you eventually hear that the police had found yeah. something or found some people? Yes. And how did that come about? Um, we were sitting outside, and we heard from one of the police officers over the radio there, that there was a foot chase. You could hear the canine barking, but they did say that they have some individuals that matched the description, even the vehicle description, and that they also recovered William's phone with them. And you had given the police the description of these guys? And yes, the clothing, the scar, the eyebrows, yeah. Okay. So what happened after that? After that, it's probably now 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 3.30. We got picked up in undercover cars, um, me, Brandon, one vehicle, and then Will and Alex in another, and we got driven to a church off Okoya Popka Road, or Popka Vineland Road, actually. And as we got there, there was other detectives, and they informed us they would take us in another unmarked vehicle, single, one by one, to a nearby neighborhood to do what they call a show-up, to identify who they had arrested. Did they explain anything to you about this show-up and what the procedure would be? Yes. They said they wouldn't be able to see in the vehicle. We would park down the road and sit in the back seat. Uh, the detective I was with had a recorder for me to talk into and describe and say, yes, this is him. And they pulled out an individual parked on the other side of the street and pulled him out of a vehicle in handcuffs. And let, me, let me just ask you before that, did they tell you before they asked you to identify anybody whether they thought these were the people? or they He said they may or may not. They just said they caught individuals that matched the description that I gave them, so they needed me to identify. All right. And so when you did this show up, you drove past these guys? Yes. After they did the show up and I said, yes, these are the individuals I saw, then we proceeded to leave and he drove me by the house that they found them in and there was the purplish Monte Carlo looking car parked like on the grass in the sidewalk. And the two individuals that you identified, were you certain those were the two individuals that came to I was 100% positive, yes. Were 100% positive? Yes. Okay. Um, do you know the names of those two individuals? I do now. Um, what were their names? Besman Okafer and Nolan Bernard. And Besman Okafer, 
who you identified at, uh, as, at, on May 9th of 2012. Would you recognize him again if you saw him today? Yes, I would. Do you see him here in this courtroom? Yes, I do. Could you point him out to us? I'm sorry, he's, uh, he's five feet Your Honor, could the record reflect she's identified Mr. Oka for the defendant? Record will so identify, so show. And was it your understanding that both Mr. Bernard and Mr. Okafer were arrested that day? Yes. Did you get back most of the property that was stolen? Yes, around 4.30 they allowed us to go to the police station and they asked us descriptions of what was stolen before they unveil it in a box and return it. Um, were you ever uh, notified about a trial for this case, for this home invasion? Well, we did receive various things in the mail for subpoenas in our deposition, yes. Okay. Now, you mentioned the deposition. Did you actually go to a deposition? Yes. I believe me, Will, Brandon, and Alex all rode together. Okay, and what, what is a deposition, as, as you understand it? Uh, it's like, it was like an interview with the state and the defense, okay. pretty much just like a transcript of what happened, what we're doing now. So this is the defense attorney essentially asking you questions? And yes. Getting more information about what your testimony would be? Yes. And did you testify at that deposition again about how you identify these people and how you were prepared to testify at trial? <clears throat> yes, I did. Um, and you say you also got a subpoena to for a trial. Yes. Right? And do you, do you recall what day that trial was scheduled for? It was set for September 11th of 2012. All right. Um, let me take you now to uh, September 9th, September 10th of 2012. Did you go to sleep at some point? September 9th, yes, I did. And again, you in your, that same bedroom you pointed out to us? Yes. Who else was in the house at that time? Well, well let me ask you this. Who was, who was living at the house back in September 9th, September 10th? Myself, two brothers, and Alex Zaldivar were currently. Same people? Yes. Okay. So you said you went to sleep in your bedroom. Yes, I did. And what were you wearing when you went to sleep? I was sleeping in my undergarments at the time. All right. Um, and you were in your bedroom by yourself? Yes. Did you have a dog? Yes, I do. How old was your dog at the time? He was about four or five months at the time. And where was your dog? He sleeps in the bedroom with me. Okay. Was your bedroom door closed when you went to sleep? Yes, it was. Did you know who else was in the house when you went to sleep? I knew my older brother Remington was, but I wasn't positive about Alex because he had left to drive my brother to a friend's. Your and brother Brandon? Yes. Okay. And uh, he must have came home later than I went to bed already. All right. So it was your understanding that Brandon was not going to be sleeping there that night? Yes. I knew he was gone. Okay. And, and you knew that uh, Alex had taken Brandon and you just didn't <clears throat> know if he'd come back yet? Yes. All right. And Remington, you say, was, was asleep in his bedroom? Yes. So you went to sleep. Uh, any idea about what time it was you went to sleep? Mm, wee hours of the morning. It was probably maybe 1 a.m. because I wake up a lot. I was where I finally got to full sleep. All right. 
did uh, anything happen after that, after you went to sleep? I normally wake up around 4.30 from a phone call with my boyfriend, getting ready to go for work with his dad. And uh, like an internal alarm, I must have woke up a little bit shy of 4.30. I checked my phone. I believe it said 4.24 a.m. So to stay awake and wait for the phone call, I got up and used the restroom, went back into the bedroom, and I must have fell asleep. The next thing I hear is the dogs barking. I have my dog in my room. My younger brother across the hall has a dog as well that was still locked in the room. And I hear that was the dog. Brandon's dog. Yes. Okay. And I hear both dogs barking at this point, and then I start to hear banging coming from the living room, it sounds. I mean, the, the pictures are vibrating up against the wall. So it's, at first I thought, maybe Brandon came home and there's an altercation in the living room. Maybe he's been drinking and he got pushed into a wall. Well, the banging didn't stop. It was like three, four more times to where I said, okay, something's wrong. I need to defuse it. Let me, let me just stop you there. Do you know about what time this was? A little bit after. I remember seeing 5, but I don't know the minute. It, it was after 5 a.m. A little bit after 5 a.m. Yes. Okay. You hear the banging. I what, hear what the you... loud banging, so I decide I'm going to get dressed and go in the living room. I open up my closet door to put on basketball shorts and grab a T-shirt, and as soon as I do that, the banging ended up being my front door or my bedroom door being kicked wide open, and there was like a lag, maybe two-second lag, and as I peeked around my Bed, or my closet in my bedroom, all I see is an arm stick out with a long black sleeve, and it looks like a t-shirt wrapped in his hand holding the butt of a gun, and it's just the barrel of the pistol comes around my corner where my closet's next to it, and I peeked around, and I went like this instantly, and he just said, shut the fuck up and get in the living room, and while I'm still trying to put on my shorts so I'm not in my underwear, he grabs me by my armpit and drags me out through the hallway to the living room as I'm sliding on my shorts. And uh, could you see this person at all? You've described he's holding a gun with a, holding a t-shirt with a gun. See anything else about him? The only part of the skin I could see was just around his eyeballs and his nose due to t-shirts covering them up. So you say he had t-shirts covering up his face? Yes, it, it looked like he had a t-shirt where he just put his head through the hole and let it almost drape like a scarf around his neck. And then he had another t-shirt where the part where your head goes was like here around his eyes and he had it look like tied in the back. So all you could really see from his face was his eyes. And a slight hairline, that's it. Okay. You say you saw a little bit of the hairline? Yeah. Could you tell the race of this person? No. Um, could you see uh, about what um, kind of hair it looked like he had? Uh, his hairline was showing, so yeah, it looked like short, buzzed hair, maybe a fade, you know? It was real faint, but a solid, clean line right on his head. All right. And could you see anything about his build? He looked tall. I mean, I'm small, so everybody seems six foot. Okay. But uh, he was wearing all dark clothing really baggy around him because he had layers so it made him look tall and lanky okay. and that's that's all i got he wasn't a fat guy or anything like that. no he didn't appear to be no all right um so he drags you out of the bedroom yes uh can you look around at that point or what uh, the only light on at that point was in the hallway between mine and brandon's bedroom so i could
Alex's silhouette, he was already face down on the living room floor. All right, so you're taken into, at gunpoint, into the living room. Yes. Were you able to say anything about the gun? This is a handgun he has? It appeared to be, yes. Holding? Yeah, with one okay. hand, and yes. Do you know anything else about that gun? No. All right. Um, so you're, you're taken into the living room. Does he tell you anything about looking around or anything? He tells me not to look around to lay face down on the ground. All right. And that's what you do? Yes. Say Alex was face down on the ground. Yes, he was. Uh, do you recall how he was dressed? It was dark, but it looked like he was only in a pair of basketball shorts. All right. Um, and he's face down on the ground. Could you tell whether there was any other bad guy in the living room? I didn't get a chance to. After I seen Alex laying down, I was pretty much forced to lay on the ground and not look anywhere. All right. So, And, and were you placed face down next to Alex? Yes. Our heads were practically touching like this. Okay. Um, do you remember anything about Alex's hands at all? At that point, they were laying down at his side. Okay. Uh, so you're face down on the ground. Uh, the guy with the T-shirts is, is standing over you, as far as you know? Yes. All right. Could you see him anymore at that point, or is he kind of behind you? He's standing behind me. Could it sound like he was walking around, but no. Um, does anything else happen? You say Remington is in his bedroom. Yes, I can hear another person while the individual with the t-shirts is standing over me and Alex. I hear rummaging and it sounds like they're not wanting to touch handles. There's more banging, like they're kicking through every door. And uh, it sounds like they kicked open the garage and then I hear what sounds like Remington possibly fighting with someone. And then 30 seconds later, that's when I see Remington come walking out and uh, there's someone behind him that orders him to lay down on the floor. Okay. Um, how is uh, Remington dressed? Uh, he didn't have clothing on. All right. You say you could see somebody behind him? I could tell there was someone there bringing him to the living room, but I didn't physically see a face or clothing or anything, no. See anything at all about this person, a build or anything? No, I can only assume close to Remington's the fact that he wasn't taller or standed out wider than him. Okay. So somebody is bringing Remington into the living room. Yes. What happens with Remington? Remington's then ordered to lay down on the floor as well, and he lays down to the side of Alex. Now this person bringing Remington out, that's... that's that's a, that's a separate person from the person who's standing over you. Yes. All right. So now all three of you are lying down there on the ground. Yes. Face down, right? Yes. Did anybody, any of the bad guys say anything? I think there was only one person out of the two in the living room that was asking questions. And uh, he was asking, is this the house that got robbed? And we didn't say anything. It kind of threw us off. Like, uh, does this make us a target again? Because we've been hit once. So we didn't say anything, remained quiet. And then they asked, where are the other two? You and think that was the same person? Yes. Okay. Where, where is the other two? Referring to Brandon, who was gone, and our friend William, who was there during the first home invasion, but he never lived in the home. And and do you think that was the same guy that... Uh, yes, your I believe it was the same guy. He, he was the guy doing all the talking? It seemed so, yes. So he's asking where are the other two? He's asking where are the other two and who's the naked guy, which is Remington, because 
again, he wasn't home during the first home invasion. He was gone at work. So after there was just no question, no answers, no answers, and they asked again, where's the drugs, where's the money? So I told them, you're going to be disappointed like last time. There's nothing here. Take the electronics and go. And then someone said, well, it looks like y'all are going to get shot tonight. And in my head, I just kind of like smirked and chuckled like, oh, you know, he's trying to scare me to do something. What can he do? Well, then we start hearing the rummaging through the house once again, but now it's things being knocked over and breaking glass, like they're just f making it look like a robbery. That's what it sounded like. And the individual that did the talking, he remained in the living room with us while the other's doing the rummaging. And he's telling him, yo, keep it down, keep it down, you're being too loud. And after all the noise stopped, they came into the living room and they asked again, where's the money, where's the drugs? No noise, we didn't make any sounds. And then it was just real quiet. And I heard elastic gloves get put on, like the snap of latex gloves on the wrist. So in the first home invasion, we were tied up. They had got evidence off the cords, fingerprints. So I'm thinking we're going to get tied up again. I crossed my hands and my feet to get tied up. It is a narrative. Let's break it up a little bit. If okay. Um, so you're expecting to get tied up again? Yes, I am. Um, You mentioned about, I think you said at one point, they were going through the house. You, you, you saw two guys, is that right? Yes, I only seen two. You saw the one that got you out of the bedroom and was with the T-shirts that was holding you at gunpoint, and then whoever it was getting Remington out. Yes. Okay. Um, so you say you hear the snap of... Uh, I held my breath for what felt like five minutes and I just laid there as still as I could and after what felt like an eternity I lifted my head up and called out to Alex and there was no response and after calling out to my brother he popped up as well okay, it, it sustained sustained at this point let's get back to the narrative so you uh, felt the gunshot in your head where 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 did you feel it Right on the left side of my head, above my ear. Could you tell whether you were bleeding from that? I could hear the drops of blood hitting the wood floor. Okay. From your head? Yes. You say you then heard another gunshot. A second shot. Could you, did you have any idea who, who was being shot at with that shot? I had no idea. All right. And then you say you heard a third gunshot. Yes. And after lying still for... What you described as you felt a long time, you you I lifted hear any noise at that point? I didn't hear anything, and it was dark. Like they turned off the light in the hallway and everything. So did first, you ever hear them leave? No, right. no, I did not. So at at some point, though, after waiting, you you did what? You you looked up? I looked up, and I didn't see anyone, and it was quiet. So I said, I need to go, Brandon. You got to get up, for you pass out. 
and I checked Alex, and he wasn't responsive, wasn't moving. And when I called out to Remington, he popped up and looked at me, and there's blood everywhere, and he just said, they missed you too. I said, I need to find my phone. I couldn't find it, so we left. Okay. Did you go into your bedroom looking for your phone? Yes. What did you see in your bedroom? My futon was flipped over and, like, snapped in half from just being thrown over. Okay. So you my, didn't see your phone in there when you looked in? I didn't even try looking. So what, what did you do then? I went back out into the living room where Remington was and made sure he could get up on his feet. And we both ran out through the back porch, through the backyard, and hopped a fence. Okay. So your backyard, uh, there's a fence in the back of your backyard? Yeah. And so you got over the fence? Yes, we did. Remington able to get over the fence also? Yeah. Okay. Um, who, who was more, seemed to be more hurt, you or him? Remington. Did you have to help him at all? Yeah, I had to help him through the yard and to get over our back fence. And luckily, the neighbor behind us, their yard slopes down to where when he hit, he was able to roll down and pretty much get back on his feet because I don't think I could pick him up on my own. And then I helped him get over the, the gate to their front yard, and we ran to their front door. Okay. So you had to run around their house, kind of the, the neighbor's house? Yeah, through the backyard. At, at that point, did you know that neighbor? Um, I knew her, but not by name. We used to skateboard with her neighbor, and like she said, our dog used to jump our fence and get into her backyard. Okay. So you, you went up to her front door? Yeah. And what, rang the bell? Yeah. Uh, was 911 call? Yeah, she did for us. Um, do you know about how long it took for the police to arrive? I don't know exactly. Did the police, though, arrive? Yes, they did. And what happened with you? I remember being in the driveway. Remington still on the front porch sitting down. I was in the driveway talking on the phone with, I think, paramedics or police when I was approached by, at the time, I thought it was a paramedic gentleman asking me to have a seat and calm down. And then I just remember getting into the back of an ambulance. Now, you say you were on the phone a little bit also with... Uh, was that Amy Scott's phone? Yes, it was. Okay. And were you telling him that there was another, that Alex was in your house? Yes, that there was still someone in the house. Did you think he was dead? I, yeah. All right. Um, did, what, what happened with you? Did you get taken somewhere? Yeah, I got taken to a, a hospital in Orlando. That was with, with an ambulance or a police car? Ambulance. You know about how long you stayed in the hospital? I think one full day. All right. Um, then you were released? Yes. How are you today, physically, from this gunshot? All that remains is a scar. Where my hair doesn't grow, that's about it. The, uh, the guy who came into your room with the T-shirts, would you be able to identify him if you saw him again? No, I would not. And the, I assume the guy that was taking Remington out of his room, you wouldn't be able to identify him? No, I would not. Um, when this all happened, um, were you under the, did you have any knowledge about whether Mr. Okafer and Mr. Bernard were still in jail? As far as I knew, they were still in jail.
Did you ever go back home and, and see whether anything, in fact, was stolen out of your house in this home invasion that happened on September 10th? Yes, after we were released from the hospital, we met with detectives at the house who had us do a walkthrough and show them what happened and where it happened and also to identify if anything was missing and everything was still there. I assume you're going to be a little while on cross? All right. We are at a good breaking time here for lunch. Um, Ma'am, you can step down right now uh, if you want. Be careful on those steps, please. I'm going to ask you to be back at uh, 1.30. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I'm going to go ahead and excuse you for lunch. Uh, let me give you some cautions as I did yesterday, but as you can imagine, they're more important now because you're hearing testimony and evidence in this matter. Do not discuss this case amongst yourselves. Do not discuss it with anybody. Anybody includes family, friends, neighbors, people you know, people you rely on, people you respect maybe for advice. Do not discuss it with anybody at all. And do not let them discuss it with you. That's the other side of it. You may feel like, well, if they're telling you their thoughts, 